Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to our Words and Nerds and the Sunshine House podcast crossover. Today you're getting a Zanny and Danny crossover. Zanny Louise is a children's author whose titles include Mum for Sale, Florence and Fox, I Feel the World and her latest released Pegasus. Zanny has also started a new literary podcast, The Sunshine House. And Danny V is host of the Words and Nerds podcast and author of debut picture book, My Extraordinary Mum. And here we so, are. <laughs> this is exciting. I've never done one of these before. This yeah, is be... I always think it's really cool to connect with podcasters because there's not a lot out there. So it's really cool to share your experiences and why you started the podcast. Now, yours is pretty new. So the Sunshine House, how many episodes have you got? I'm up to my, so this would be my 22nd. Um, yeah, <laughs> double digits. Uh, yeah, so I'm a little baby podcast compared to Words and Nerds, but <laughs> it's kind of probably like a lot of things and definitely like a lot of things in my life anyway. It's grown very organically. It's not something I kind of strategically planned. I fell into it because Well, I like talking to my friends, basically, (laughs) Um, but I was doing little recording snippets for my online picture book course and I was talking to all these amazing creators like Beck Young and, you know, um, Matt Otley and having these deep and beautiful conversations and I just sort of felt like I wanted to go a little bit broader with it and share it a little bit more broadly beyond the course. So there, that's kind of where it started. Yeah, I love that. How about you? Why did you start a podcast, Danny? Yeah, um, it was kind of I was in that sort of really little kid motherhood stage and I wasn't working and I was missing having conversations about books and, you know, not a lot of my (laughs) friends want to do that with me so I thought you know maybe I could start a podcast my friend had um a a bake-off MasterChef podcast where they interviewed contestants and so he sort of started me off and said you just got to do it even though I had no idea what I was doing and I went well that's okay I just want to have conversations with people so like you I didn't have any goals or any anything I just did it jumped in the deep end learned as I went And it turns out people do want to talk about their books and it turns out people want to listen to people talking about their books. (laughs) So for me, it was a bit of um, needing that adult conversation about interesting things and also trying to channel that anxiety into something positive and productive rather than it just sitting with me. And so it did both of those things. And, you know, I never thought that I'd have 50,000 people you know, playing the podcast a month. That's and crazy. I, I still think yeah. SoundCloud are going to ring me and say, actually, that's been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're being too <laughs> humble. Well, I think it's part of your, the fact that you are so genuine and that you, you know, you did start it out of just a genuine love of 
books and connecting and that comes across in your podcast and that's why people listen to it so yeah I'm not surprised thanks (laughs) so out of your 22 I mean I know I'm not going to say favorite because I feel like all your podcasts (laughs) are your children right because they are what was the podcast episode out of the 22 that kind of surprised you because it was it went in a different direction than you thought or the person was different to what you expected or you're a bit fangirly like what was an interesting I've had a few, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much have a fangirl moment every time and right. you probably relate to that because <laughs> I'm always asking people who I'm already a little bit starry-eyed about. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, I feel like I'm in this like, amazing moment where I'm just in a Zoom room with this person who I've totally put up on a pedestal. Uh, people like uh, Karen Foxley, but she's a friend, so, she, uh, you know, I say no, she's just a lovely person to talk to. Um the other day I interviewed um, Mariam Master, whose um, new book, No Words, has just come out, and I love her novels, and she's just the most lovely person, and she's got this amazing backstory. And, yeah, I got quite emotional listening to her personal story kind of behind the story, so that was really unexpected um how about you what what surprised you out of all the thousands of things you've probably done <laughs> yeah look I think the, the the most fangirl moment was I'd been this huge fan of Elliot Perlman his work for decades and then I thought I'm just gonna ask him to come on and turns out he came on and I remember sitting there with about two minutes to go and he was in the waiting room and I just I couldn't press admit I was like <laughs> I don't know that I can do this. I can't. I don't know that I can talk to him. So I forced myself to hit the little blue button. And, of course, he was lovely and generous and kind, but it was one of those moments where I thought, okay, I've bitten off way too much (laughs) than I can chew. This is really intimidating. And it's just because of your own mind, though, because you've put them on a pedestal because you love their work. And so when you talk to them, they're completely normal people. But I know it's such was, a surprise <laughs> it's one of the most overwhelming I think and then the second one was Matthew Riley so Adrian Beck's like why don't you get Matthew Riley I'm like I don't think Matthew Riley's gonna talk to me <laughs> like he's Matthew Riley <laughs> I thought oh well I'll try anyway because I don't care about rejection you know as a writer <laughs> we have to embrace mm. rejection and so the publicist's like yeah sure all right and so I said okay well we you know Adrian was in on this as well and I said I oh, will just keep it really tight you know like 30 minutes, don't want to take up much of his time, will be as professional as Adrian and I can be, right? <laughs> and then he just kept, I'm like, I'm trying to wrap it up because I'm like, I don't want to keep him longer than we said we wouldn't. He just keeps talking and his dog comes in and he introduces us to his dog and he just keeps talking. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, he was such a cool guy for the amount okay. of, you know, success yeah. um, he has. He was just a really down to earth, cool guy. So that was a really nice surprise. I think that's just one of my favourite things about publishing in general. You know, everyone who I've had to summon the courage to reach out to in some way uh, has just turned out to be the most lovely person. Uh, Right at the beginning of my picture book career, I um, met Jackie French and I Mm. came up to her all shaky and I gave her a copy of my first book and said, this is for your grandchildren. And she was, oh, thank you. She gave me a huge hug and she was so sweet. And then she sent me a message to say thank you, how much she liked the book. And, you know, just those moments where there's these people who you think are bigger than life, but, you know, of course, they're just wonderful, generous, lovely people. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's all about connection for me as it probably is for you. And that's why the podcast works so well. But do you think because writing is hard, 
it keeps you real and humble. Like it's not like you're a movie mm. star and you're earning <laughs> millions of dollars at step <laughs> Yes, I think the lack of money, <laughs> I think the lack of money is definitely a factor. And, you know, even when you compare us to, um, us to uh, adult literary novelists, and I'm sure that most of them are lovely, but I find the children's community particularly nurturing, particularly supportive. And, you know, people like Alison Lester, who's been around, you know, for decades, and I've got, I've read her picture books when I was, you know, three or four, and I remember them. some of my earliest memories are sitting down with Alison Lester books in my bedroom, pouring over the pictures. And I met her at a festival recently in the last couple of years, and, again she's so down to earth so humble and I don't know I think it's also that we're doing stuff for children Mm. uh is a factor like how you can't be a bad person or maybe (laughs) maybe you can but But even um you know when I go out with the crime writer crew like they're all just generous and supportive and funny and so I think it's almost kind of the industry where you know it's really hard you can write 90,000 word novel and it can never get published it's a grind. It's really hard to get people to care about your book. And so I think that keeps you real, but it also, when someone else achieves success, no one's kind of resentful. Everyone's like, oh, yay, someone's achieving. Mm. Someone's been able to get this done. I feel like that (laughs) is such a cool culture that is in the industry. We're all just so celebratory of each other because there's room for all of us, you know? Oh, totally. And that I think that is definitely true. There's room for all of us. And, yeah, occasionally you get little niggles because, you know, maybe you've been trying something for five, ten years and then someone else does it before you and you get that little niggle in your chest and they, oh, why isn't it me or when's it going to be my turn? But ultimately you're joyful for other people. Every, uh, ever since I started posting about even I remember that first post I put up to my blogging community um, the Sunshine House blogging community was about oh, 12 years ago no yeah about 10 years ago and I said um, I want to write for children and just the outpouring of love and affection and uh, encouragement began there and it's never stopped and yeah. I've never I've just never had any bad feelings and mm. I'm not, this isn't an invitation. Don't start sending me them. <laughs> I don't want them. I'm a very sensitive person. So I love the, I love the kindness. Yeah. Mm. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And maybe that's the other thing we, we largely are a lot of, you know, sensitive, well-meaning people. So maybe that's also the attraction of this industry mm. why we're pulled into it. Yeah. Absolutely. But what about, you know, you're right at the beginning, like with your first book, your mm. debut book, extraordinary mum which is so fun um so for you this is all really fresh have you found that to be the case that people are really kind of coming out of the woodworks and being really supportive yeah absolutely and I I didn't I don't know what I expected it's kind of you have your head stuck in you know the editing process and then thinking about how you're going to publicize it and so you don't actually come up for air very often it was when I you know, I did a signing at Booktopia and I, I took a moment and saw those books in a pile and went, oh, wow. And it's kind of the first moment I'd let it sink into my head because otherwise it's just kind of working, thinking, working, thinking, which is great. And it's not a complaint, but it's it's always you're not really coming up for air. But I think from my very beginning when I was podcasting, you know, for nearly five years before I had a book published and, you know, everyone, like when I did NaNoWriMo with Adrian and Tristan and Kristen, Christy Byrne and Julianne Negri, all published authors, 
I wasn't. And they were just so supportive and going, yeah, of course you can do it, Danny, blah, blah, blah. And really believing, you know, in my writing. And Adrian was probably one of the first people I'd ever shown my writing to. And he was really supportive. And it sort of, I think it gave me the confidence to submit something because, you know, before that you speak to so many amazing people and you think, oh, well, you know, what do I have to contribute? If I've just spoken to Jackie French, what can I contribute <laughs> to the literary community? So even before I was published, I had this huge support from these amazingly talented people. And, you know, then after that, you know, people come to your book launch, you know, like there were people from the lit community who came, you know, took time out of their day to come to my book launch and people posting pictures and, um, you know, congratulating you. Like it's, it's just amazing. Um, and I guess I didn't expect that much <laughs> support. I don't know why I just didn't, I guess I didn't think about it, but yeah, it's really special how we can all just jump in and support each other. Yeah, and what goes around comes around. You know, I hope I think, so, yeah. I think so. Like the more, you know, support you give to others, generally speaking, the more it comes back to you. Yeah, it's just a little bit of a ecosystem of Yeah, and that's I never intended people. to do that, obviously. I just I actually mm. love celebrating everything and mm. I'm a huge cheerleader just naturally. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big compliment giver, but I never give them unless I believe them, you know. Mm. I, ju- I just mm. think too often compliments stain people's heads. Mm. And, you, and you don't tell that person that you think they're amazing or they've got a mm. great podcast or a great book or they've got a great dress, whatever it is. You know, I don't think we do that enough. And so mm. I think, you know, how many compliments, you know, would you get in a week? You know, like one? I don't know. <laughs> Not many. And so I'm always a big believer of if you if you think something good about someone, like tell them. And so it was always authentic because there's no guarantee that I was ever going to publish a book. Um, And that's, I guess, part of the writing industry as well. You know, there's no guarantee even if you've signed 20 books, not for most of us, you know, none of them are are written in stone for the next one. So, Oh, no, that's exactly right. And that's one of the most... uh... (laughs) <laughs> the interesting things about the industry, yeah. And you talk to people who have published 80 books or 90 books and they still have some of the same qualms or concerns or insecurities as I yeah. do or as someone who's just starting out. And, yeah, I, I mean that keeps us humble as well, I guess, and that keeps us not ever really getting on our high horses because <laughs> there's not really a horse get knocked to get off. <laughs> Horse. I mean, even Which someone horse, like yeah. even someone like Jack Heath, you know, who's written I think yeah. forty books. Yeah, he mm-hmm. says three quarters of the way, and he goes, "I'm pretty sure I've lost all of my talent." You know, yeah. and I, I, it's it's comforting though because someone of Jack's caliber who's written so many successful and different and diverse books, if he feels like that, well, you kind of think, well, that's okay for me to feel like I'm, you know, not doing a great job. It's just it's part of that process, and I think. I think self-doubt can actually make you work better so long as it doesn't go into that paralysis, Mm. you know, Mm. as long as you're not paralysed by the fear and the self-doubt, as long as it's there to keep you Mm. getting better and better. I think you can manage that okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah, oh, look, it's a very important ingredient in the creative process because you do need it to temper your your ego or whatever it is I don't know how you find that but when I'm writing a story or I've just started something you're in this magical happy amazing moment every word is a miracle (laughs) and then you go away from it and you come back and it's yeah oh yeah (laughs) what was I thinking it's day two Danny has the real eyes you know day one Danny's like this is the best thing I've ever written and then day two Danny comes and goes what is this crap (laughs) 
<laughs> put it in the bin. Put it in put the it, trash. Every word, put it in the bin. <laughs> put it in the bin, start again. Yeah, no, and that's why you need friends in the industry and, yeah, podcasts like yours or mine to hear those stories from people like Jack Heath or uh, Davina Bell. I remember her telling me on one of the uh, interviews for the course, you know, just she goes through this struggle every single time. Like, what have I got which is worth saying? I'm like, Davina Bell, oh, <laughs> you never so say anything mm. wrong. But she still goes through that, that well, I suppose it's a struggle, you know, all creatives go mm. through to, you know, get to that final thing. Yeah, and I hope it makes our work better, you know, that real yeah. thought about it. I think it's because you really care about the work and you really care about the kids you're writing for and yeah. you really care about the industry. So it's quite a lot of pressure, you know, to put yeah. on yourself in that way. Well, that's right. And it's not really, you know, obviously, yes, you want to sell books and you want to make you want to make the best book you can for your, your self-worth and your creative satisfaction. But like you say, yes, it's, it's it is for the kids. You know, you do really want it to have some impact and, and be something that maybe some child out there sleeps with under its pillow. Uh, you know, there's so such a, a a lifespan for a book, and like that book of Alison Lester's that I still have since I was four. You know that that's the power of a children's book. You know, can really yeah. implant into a person's DNA and Absolutely. stay with them. So it's a big responsibility, and that's yeah. Nice. And I think, and I, I wanted to ask you why you think picture books are special and magical because I think they're they're moments in time. You know, it's almost like they're the times you lay in bed with your young child, you read them the book, they're learning to read, it'll open up conversations, you know, they're usually cuddling up to you, like they're time capsules, mm. you know, and I'll still pick up books that are in the house and go, oh, I remember this when I used to read this to my daughter when she was, you know, little in bed. And I think picture books are, are so much more than just a book. They're those memories of when your kids were little, they're little time capsules and they really bring you back. You know, my kids loved, you know, the very Cranky Bear series. So every time I read that again, I can just picture us, you know, curled up in their bed, you know, reading that book. And so it becomes so much more than a picture book. What about you? Why do you think they're so special? I think that's a really, yeah, I agree with you. It's that point of connection. And I used to have this thing, you know, no matter what was happening in the day, you always read a book at the end of the day and often through the day as well. And Whenever anything was going wrong or someone was having a tantrum or someone was sad or what, a book always solved all the problems, like it just always reset somehow. But I love that too, what you're talking about, because, yeah, my kids now are 9 and 12 and, you know, we just out went out shopping with them in Byron, like they're little teenagers now. Like it's so hard to remember them as little people. But like you say, as soon as you read that picture book that you read to them when they were two, oh, yeah. Yes, you go straight back there, as you do when you read the book that when you were little as well. Yeah. Like it's almost like you can smell the room. You can yeah. you remember yourself at that age, and it's such a an interesting thing. And I don't think there's many things that can do that, except mm. maybe your mother's perfume or certain significant things sort of unlodge those memories. But yeah, beautiful. But also, it's like a quite a unique work of art really a picture book because it is the pictures and the words working together in this sort of mystical way sometimes it is curious why it even works like it's mm. somehow only a hundred words on a page and you you can't it, it's like this uh alchemy and you don't 
you can't really analyze it why it's just so effective and why it gets into your heart and why it makes you want to cry every single time or give you goosebumps or whatever it is so yeah and maybe because there is just so much care and love that goes into pretty much every picture book um maybe that's another thing that they're a time capsule for us the reader but then they're also a time capsule for the artist and the uh author um kind of crystallizing this three years that it might have taken mm. to make this book uh yeah and it's yeah, and also they're that. kind of timeless as well yeah. yeah they are I love that and when my daughter was in um you know kinder your prep I remember they would just read the pictures of the picture book and I thought mm. that's amazing you know in terms of visual mm. visual literacy and they would just read the pictures and then they would add the words to it and I just thought mm. how important are these books for starting kids you know to read and to love books you know because they're reading them before they can read if you like yeah oh there's so much yeah so much about it and it's also that empathy building so you know they know that the neural pathways light up when you read about a character or you hear about a a character and the character's story you empathize with them and that's happening from a really young age and you know I used to hear this thing that young kids don't have empathy which I baffled me I was like that's so not true you know that it had to be learned or something because it's like no they they're totally empathizing from yeah. a very young age. Yeah. I think so too. Even as babies, you know, if, if you're not mm. feeling well, like, mm. you know, I remember my kids being really empathetic. So that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. 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 And just kind of attuned to you, but yeah, they're attuned to those characters and so interested in the world. And yeah, like you say, with the pictures, um, like with my new book, Pegasus, there's this little butterfly in it. And I didn't really notice the butterfly story because I'm the author and I'm quite a cerebral person and I'm adult. So I'm just looking at, you know, looking at it sort of superficially, I suppose. Whereas a little kid, that's the first thing they would notice that there's this whole other bee story or butterfly story belonging to the butterfly uh and it you can track it the whole way through the book so anyway wow. I love those little, I love that yeah those little subtleties absolutely mm. well tell me about Pegasus it's a whole lot of fun so tell me about book. <laughs> yeah it is fun well it's my first um funny rhyming book so I guess it's in the category of the cranky bear or those mm-hmm. sort of books yeah so it's narrative as well uh I've done a few rhymes now which I was quite tentative about um because when I teach picture book writing and I mentor people I'm always quick to deter them away from rhyme because <laughs> it's not it's not easy to publish in rhyme so it's uh just one of those things that you I mean a lot of people give it a go um and it but it's just quite a hard thing to do uh there's a lot of things that you sort of have to get through till it's a, a rhyme that works I guess mm. that other people are going to be able to read it easily um anyway so I was quite always quite tentative about it but then I just had a few ideas or kind of concept books that felt a bit stale without the rhyme like it was just a bit hard to see them working or engaging kids in any way so yeah I just found myself sort of sing-songing it and rhyming them so yeah I feel the world and we are all people are in rhyme um but Pegasus was definitely character driven so it's about a little pig pegasus um (laughs) called pig actually through the story and she has uh this dream or this belief that she uh, would like to fly 
and her family, uh, the naysayers, and of course, pigs can't fly. Mm -hmm. uh, but Pigasus is determined, so she's going to give it a go. And she tries all these fun, different ways to fly. And yeah, will she or won't she? Mm. I love that. I love <laughs> how it's so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. It plays on that narrative of pigs can't fly, or pigs can fly, or pigs will fly. And then behind that, you've got the little lesson of, you know, you just do what you want to do and you keep trying, even if people say you can't. So I love all those different layers. And I love particularly picture books that you can read just for fun. And then at another level, mm -hmm. you can dig a little bit deeper. And then another level, you can dig a bit deeper, just depending <laughs> on, you know, the mood. Because I think there's nothing wrong with a kid picking up a book just to have fun, you know. Like I think that's just totally. as important as, yeah. as, as all the learning stuff. So I love that, you know, you could just read it as a really fun story or you can dig a bit deeper in that as well. And going back to what you were saying yeah. about rhyme, I think there's a lot of humour in rhyme, but I think rhyme is such an underrated way of writing because it is so hard you know mm -hmm. i think um you know i think maybe if you've not written a picture book and you think oh 500 words in rhyme easy i'll knock that over in an hour mm -hmm. <laughs> but i find sometimes like in my series coming up that it's in rhyme my extraordinary mums in prose but I found that sometimes I'll be working on two lines for half a day, Annie. Like, I don't know if that's just me yeah. being an inexperienced writer. but No, no, no. That's it's all typical. the synonyms yeah. and, you know, yeah. then looking at all the rhyme zone and not fitting and not wanting to force <laughs> a rhyme and then you're flipping around the yeah. sentences if that doesn't work for yeah. the rhyme and then what rhyme scheme you're going to use and not only that, the rhythm, like I'm obsessed with rhythm because i you know, old English teacher, I love poetry. So I'm obsessed with the rhythm as well. And it's just, it's, it is absolutely probably, you know, one of the hardest things you can try and do is, is tell this story in 250 to 500 words with character, with an arc, with a, some laughs, hopefully that yeah. rhymes. <laughs> like, I know it is <laughs> so much harder than it looks. And the thing is you can do it or any, or any, a lot of people can sit down and do it, but when you give that to someone else, it, it probably won't be in rhythm and it probably won't roll off the tongue in the way it does in your head yeah. because you always adjust the rhythm. So that's the really hard bit I find is testing out the rhyme. And I often do things like, reading the last stanza for, and switching, reading the stanzas out of order to mm. test the rhythm or clapping it out or things like that because that's that's a really important thing. Yeah, mm. I find, you know, obviously because we're podcasters, I find recording mm. it and mm. listening back you find oh, where you can idea. trip up. You're like, oh, hang on, that didn't sound right or I had to rush <laughs> that kind of sentence or, you yeah, know, so you can yeah, really yeah. pick it up when you're listening back to it. So yeah. I find that really interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, good on you for attempting. It took me many books before I was brave enough to try rhymes. So I admire you for taking that leap off the cliff. Um, it, was, it was funny because so it wasn't, yeah, well, it wasn't deliberate. It was just, it sort of worked yeah. with the story. Yeah, sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, yeah, well, look, it's, uh, yeah, it's a big thing to to try, I think, and to craft. And I often say to people, try it first in prose. You might be surprised uh, that the prose you know, could well be the way that it works. But more than anything, it's important to work out the story first because yep. that's what happens, I think, when people start to rhyme is they get so carried away in finding the rhyming words that they forget 
about the story and the story really can veer off course very quickly. So getting that story down first is really, really important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I think you're right. You tried in prose and you tried in rhyme. Um, Mm -hmm. My extraordinary mum was just always in prose. Like I feel like it just worked with what I was trying to do and it works with the mum, that kind of quirky offbeat uh, rhythm it kind of has. And then the next one is kind of a bit more slapstick and not mm. doesn't really have like the message that my extraordinary mum does. It's purely quite fun. Um, it kind of just, it was funnier in rhyme. I tried it in prose mm. and I went, oh, I'm not funny in prose. <laughs> and so I tried it in rhyme. And I think because you do so much work finding the right words, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that sentence had I not done all that research on RhymeZone and the thesaurus.com. And you're like, oh, mm. I found something that's kind of funny that you wouldn't have had you not sort of investigated that way of writing. So I found rhyme that's... a massive challenge, but I found it just worked for that story, you know? Yeah, totally. And I like what you say that it can actually open up opportunities mm. and, uh, yeah, because it could be quite absurdist, the things yeah, that Yeah, really surprised me. Yeah, really yeah. surprised. I was like, oh, wow, rhyme makes you funnier. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, isn't that nice to know? <laughs> um, tell us about Ex- Extraordinary Mum um, because, yeah, that's the book that's out at the moment. Yeah, release month in August. Um, it kind of derived out of two things. Firstly, uh, my kids were always so surprised and shocked and horrified when I told them the things that I did before I had them, you know, like <laughs> I had to explain what a mosh pit was. I told them that in, you know, the, the <laughs> 80s we rode bikes without helmets and, you know, I went, <laughs> I went to Europe on my own. I'm like, what, who are you? And I just thought, well, <laughs> you can live with people for almost yeah. a decade and they could not actually know the whole person. And then I started thinking, you know, that's the same with your grandparents. You only ever know them of a particular age. You see a photo of them young on a motorbike or something like, oh my goodness, go Nan. You know, so you never mm-hmm. fully know these people. And I thought, wow, I really want the whole picture, you know, for my kids to, to for us to see each other as whole people. And then the second thing I think, you know, I, I sort of took from mainstream TV, was that I always saw mums as the sensible ones, mums reigning dad in because dad was having fun. Mum's like, oh, you got to stop that. And mum's the bringer of Band-Aids and mum's making the salad while, you know, dad gets to have fun. And, and that's great. It's no, you know, insult on the dad. I'm glad he's having fun. But we want to have fun with them, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just know so many amazing, talented women in the world that happen to be mothers who are interesting and educated and artistic and talented. And I thought the world needs a bit more of that, you know, because I still think there's a narrative or a stereotype about women and mothers and what we should be and what we shouldn't be when we become mothers. And so I thought, well, what if, what if a mother was nurturing and engaged and had a really amazing relationship with her child, but what if she was kind of reclaiming her identity and was a little bit wild and had tattoos and went skinny dipping like, what would that look like? And so, mm. of course, Larrikin House loved that because I was like, you know, they love the pushing the boundaries and mm. quirky stuff. And then I thought, you know, it should really open up a conversation for us with our kids and us as women and mothers that it's okay to reclaim, you know, we should be reclaiming our identity as mothers. But I tried to, you know, hide the vegetables, so to speak, <laughs> and, you know, hide all that important mm. stuff that really was important to me behind, you know, mum's going rock climbing and mum and daughter are going rollerblading and they're doing yoga on mountaintops and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, again, I'm hoping you can read it at the two levels of just that really fun level. I mean, if you saw my book launch with Nat Amor doing all the actions, 
<laughs> standing and she was such a good sport i'm like oh now they're doing yoga on a mountaintop and they're break dancing and she just <laughs> does it you know she oh. just does whatever she's amazing yeah so you know you can read it for purely for fun um but if you wanted to think a little bit deeper and open those conversations with kids like it has with mine you can do that too yeah no well that's that's wonderful because of course a book like you have been saying already has that potential for all these layers and conversations and it goes so much more beyond the book and I suppose coming back to that earlier conversation that a picture book is magical because unlike a novel which you might read once twice maybe three times a picture book you could read 500 times that's right and, and we have, have as mothers right <laughs> exactly <laughs> one of the many extraordinary things about it um my my husband though he'd be knocking on your door going where's the book about the extraordinary dad because well, he's the one coming. in yeah because he's the one in the kitchen with the apron doing all this stuff doing the dishes while I'm you know bit off doing fun author stuff I mean it's also extraordinary but yeah absolutely and that's why in the book as well like there's a page where it's also extraordinary just to know when you need a break and sit on the lounge and eat chocolate cake you know in your pajamas because you Mm. don't have to rock climb to be extraordinary you just have to again it's about that connection with someone and that being unapologetically yourself you know, with the people who are closest to you. I mean, I think if you can do that, that's really special. But, yeah, maybe Extraordinary Dad, maybe that should be a thing. Extraordinary hmm. Grandma, Extraordinary yeah. Pet Dog, I don't know. Yeah, you've opened up a whole can of worms there. Yeah. I'll just call the publisher now and see if they want to sign 10 more. Yes, let's just call it the Extraordinary Series by Danny V. Sounds awesome. Everyone's <laughs> Extraordinary. <laughs> Now, a question I always like to ask my guests, Zanny, why yeah. do you write? Oh, uh, I've forgotten. <laughs> I've just be- it's become so just what I do. Um, I mean, these days or probably all the time, I've always done a lot of other things as well. Like today, I've spent most of the day kind of brainstorming this creative recovery project for schools in Lismore um, because they've of course been affected by the flooding and it's nowhere close to being recovered you know it's so far from it Um, and you know just exploring some possibilities with that so I've always got my like you know mind busy and my you know always thinking about different things so but I do come back to the writing uh because I guess it gives me a lot of joy. I mean, my favourite thing is just sitting down in the sunshine or just in a little patch of warmth and finding the most comfortable position I can, usually on a soft couch or wherever, and totally just having fun, having fun with the story, having fun with the words, having fun with the characters, exploring these worlds, making myself laugh, you know, just having a lovely time really. And it's very hard to compare that to anything else and find yourself wanting to do anything else when you are really in that zone because it's it's just pure unadulterated pleasure um but then you on top of that then you're going out to schools and having gorgeous conversations with kids and people like yourself and with the children's book community so it's just a gift that keeps on giving so yeah I mean and it's also one of those things that you can do hopefully until your old age you know it's 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 a job that travels I can take it everywhere I can write my notebook I can write you know on a computer um I can write in different moods and settings late at night so I started writing when my kids were little like late at night like this 
anyway, so it's it's just very versatile and yeah, very satisfying. And I guess I've always written, I've always told stories. It just took me a long time to discover that that's kind of what I was meant to be doing. Uh, it really snuck up on me that, yeah, that's what you're always doing. <laughs> How about you? Why do you write, Danny? Um, yeah, I think I've always loved books ever since, you know, I was little. My mum used to let me buy a golden book when we went grocery shopping. So that was my, you know, gift for going through the trudgery of boring grocery shopping. <laughs> and then I just I just always loved reading. So a huge reader. And at school, obviously, you'd write and everything. And then I became an English teacher. And so I was always immersed in it. But I guess I always had that, you know, not good enough syndrome, which I still will have forever. And so I, I wrote, but I never submitted anything. And then I started the podcast and, you know, then I thought, well, you know, I talked about the self-doubt because you speak to amazing people. But, you know, whether or not I was published and I wasn't for a long time because I didn't submit anything, <laughs> I'd always written, you know. I find it cathartic. I find that you are present in that moment. And there are not many moments these days I think you are fully present because you're thinking about what you have to do next or the next thing you need to do because unfortunately we live busy lives. I don't know how my life got so busy, but it just does, particularly when you have small kids. And so I think it's a moment where you're present and I find it this you know, huge puzzle to solve that at first seems impossible because there's a blank piece of paper and an idea in your head. And then you just put pen to paper and, you know, I call it the grind, but I don't mean it in a bad way, but it is that kind of, you just got to keep pushing through the bad ideas, the average ideas, the things that don't work, the rhymes that don't work, that are forced. And you just got to keep pushing through because every time you work on it, it gets better and better and better and better. And, you know, then you end up with something that magically gets published, you know? So I think um, the love of literature is why I write. And also um, being present. I love that I that feeling of being present so I don't feel like I'm present enough. And then, you know, just being able to to have something to say and solve that puzzle that seems impossible to solve. And you're like, wow, now I'm holding my book. That was the mm. most bizarre. Um, I'm sure you can remember, even though your career is quite prolific, holding your book for the first time, you're like, wow, because there's so many things to get through you know your book gets signed but then you've got to edit it and then you've got to find an illustrator and then you've got to do this and that and that and there's all these steps of the way and you know each step you you go past you're like oh is this really going to happen you know is, am I really going to have a book in my hands and then finally you do and then you see it at a bookshop you're like wow this actually happened like how did this happen from an idea in my head I know. It seems the most unlikely possibility, doesn't it? And <laughs> I do think it's important to celebrate all those little moments, no matter yeah. how small they might seem to other people, because we know as creators how important they are, how significant they are. You know, I sent off a draft of a story the other day and, you know, you've got to celebrate those moments because yeah. it's, 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 it, it, it's self, you, you have to sustain yourself some, somehow as a creative. You're working on your own. You are your own little business, your own yeah. little workshop. Uh, it's just you, really, uh, and you, you have to keep on coming up with all this mm. stuff. So okay. how are you going to look after yourself? How are you going to uh, look after yourself when maybe the sales figures aren't as good as you were hoping for or, you know, maybe you didn't get that book uh, accepted that you were wishing you know you, there's so much rejection so much silence in in that pathway to that publication experience 
So what are you going to do to look after yourself? Um, I like that idea. Yeah. And, yeah, and not being ashamed to celebrate the things that are important yeah. to you. You know, I think we have this weird culture where you're not meant to celebrate your own achievements, which I find mm. really strange, you know, because mm. <laughs> if I didn't tell people that my podcast existed, no one would listen, right? Mm. So it's the same kind of thing. So I feel like yeah. if you've got something, like you were saying, no matter how small or how big, celebrate it. And, you know, Zanny and Danny, as we are now known as co-hosts, <laughs> Um, we'll be there cheering alongside you, you know, as you are cheering alongside us, you know, because that's what yeah. that's what this little book community is is like. There's not a better better yeah. community to be part of. Yeah, that's right. And we all feel it, you know. We all once you sort of dip your toe into it and you experience the big hug that is the kid lit or the like children's book community. <laughs> mm. It really is. I mean, it's just such a, a supportive and warm experience, I yeah. think, for all of us. And yeah, that's certainly also why why I write because I feel like I just want to stay part of yeah, that world. Yeah, totally. Keep connected with all these friends. And, yeah. <laughs> I think that, I don't know, there's so much, so many reasons. No, there is. And look, congratulations on your new podcast, The Sunshine House, 22 episodes in. Um, It's been really (laughs) exciting to say Zanny and Danny repeatedly throughout the podcast. Um, (laughs) But it's been really cool to have that, you know, podcast crossover too and just have such a great chat about the industry and about our books. And, you know, I like the way you said, how are you going to take care of yourself? Because I think sometimes we, we have so much output that sometimes you forget to input. And I've, I've had to do that the last week where I, you know, everyone was sick in my family and I just had to put hit the pause button and go, no, no, I need to have some input here <laughs> because, you yeah. know, I'm feeling it. So, yeah, I think that's a really good reminder. But it's been so good mashing our podcast together. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been, yeah, such a pleasure. And I'm usually mistaken for Danny, so this works. <laughs> if people Danny pick up the Danny. phone. And Zanny, they say, no, they call me Danny. So anyway, this works. Well, I haven't been called Zanny yet. Maybe that's something in my future. (laughs) I hope so. Well, this has been such a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for, yeah, pulling me into the words and nerds, you know, universe. It's just such a pleasure to connect again and have all these lovely uh, conversations about books and all the things that give us so much joy. So I really appreciate that. And thank you. I've had lots of fun in the sunshine house. Yay! (laughs) 